In episode three of So Say We Travel, the podcast, we're going to talk about minimalism and the balance of freedom versus comfort. We'll also talk about overlanding, what it is, and how you can do it. And finally, we're going to talk about the soon-to-be-coming Battlestar Galactica series projected to come out in 2022. It's well in the works. So we're going to speculate a little bit about the potential plots and what we absolutely hope the plot will be. Welcome aboard to So Say We Travel. Hello, I'm Sean. Hi, I'm Charlie. And we are So Say We Travel. And we have to establish this podcast in hopes to share our experiences, and to me, interchangeable with knowledge, mm -hmm. with other people who might be interested in pursuing this RV lifestyle um, and building the community with fellow RVers mm -hmm. and Hopefully you learned something through this process and hopefully learned something from you through this process as well. Hopefully. So since our last episode, um, we've done quite a bit. Yes. A have. lot, a lot into transferring, transitioning full time into mm -hmm. living into RV mm -hmm. from our bricks and sticks. So what have we done? So we have spent the last two weeks downsizing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. A lot. A lot, a lot. Uh, so one of the first things we did was get a storage unit. Uh, we wanted to keep some of our furniture. Uh, we have teenagers, so we wanted to keep some stuff for them. Um, keepsakes, you know, things like that. Uh, so we wanted to get a, a unit that we could put some of that stuff away. So we didn't want to get rid of everything. Um, so that was one of the first things we did. So we spent a good weekend just transitioning a lot of stuff into the storage unit, which was actually hard to get. Like, right. It seems like either a lot of people are moving or something. I don't know what everybody's doing, but storage units were hard to come by. Well, if it's any <laughs> indicator, we live in central Texas and there's certain places in the country where That's true. the yes. real estate market is just blowing out of control because mm -hmm. people are moving in. We've got right. Elon Musk. We're not far from the Austin area. So I know that like Elon Musk and I think Samsung or Motorola, one of those is coming too. So a lot of people are coming to the area that we're in. So yes. So either I imagine people are selling their homes and they're mm -hmm. putting stuff in storage. Yeah. So while they're moving or people are bringing stuff to storage and crossing their fingers and hoping that their offer is selected yes. so they have a place to move yes. their stuff into. Um, but also yeah. the RV boom, right? Like there are right. people doing the same exact thing that mm -hmm. we're doing. Yeah. Um, but we're not too far either from a military community mm -hmm. in, in Fort That's Hood it. and Colleen. Yeah. And so I know sometimes military families get moved into spaces that are smaller mm -hmm. when where they were. Waiting for their housing or something to open up for them. So yeah. there was a huge, uh, very hard to find vacancies mm -hmm. with storage units. Yeah, I think I started looking for a storage unit early in the month, um, like early f uh, April. And uh, I was on the wait list for a couple of them and never, I still haven't heard from them. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I actually came across one. So we uh, took, took that up right away and started mm -hmm. moving stuff into it. And so they gave us two options and two spots that were available. We really wanted to move on this. So we didn't want to wait for the perfect sized yeah. storage unit. Yeah. Um, but we did get options. We got mm -hmm. a, what, seven by 20? I think so. Mm -hmm. And then there was a five by, by 10? 15. 15. Mm -hmm. 15. And so the cost... And then it was climate controlled too. That was the other thing. Yes. So one of, the smaller one was climate controlled and the larger one was not climate controlled. Yes. So we had to make the decision between the two. The cost between the two was a matter of what? Forty dollars, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. And so I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, it's a little hot. It's outside, uh, but we thought, you know, we could have went larger and been better safe than sorry. Mm -hmm. But I was like, no, we'll take smaller and climate controlled. And if we don't have enough space, we just will throw away throw more away. stuff, right? So <laughs> we are really hardcore into going minimal. Yeah. So we went ahead and decided we're going to go with a smaller space, mm -hmm. the five foot by fifteen. And mm -hmm. if we can't fit it in there, 
then it's not it's gone. staying. It's letting it go. Yeah. Um, that really helped us be really selective. It did, yes. <laughs> uh, with downsizing in the house, what mm -hmm. we're going to keep, um, sentimental things versus practical things like we're keeping furniture for the girls in the mm -hmm. future, um, but also the sentimental things. And so we went through a whole process of cataloging yes. um, and, and organizing, putting things in the totes. And we'll make another video or Instagram post about that process. Holding the stuff. And if it doesn't bring you joy, then throwing it right. away. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and a lot of it came from, do I really feel like moving this? Yeah, that too. <laughs> and they, uh, that, that'll take us into the next thing we did yes. the second weekend mm -hmm. was getting the... The uh, dumpster. We So we rented a dumpster, one of the very large one. It was a, I think it was at least seven or eight feet high and then 20 yards. So it was a large dumpster. Um, and so I rented it from a guy and he brought it to the driveway and put it in our driveway. So that it was there versus doing the trips, you know, to the dump, because we live in a kind of a smaller town. So the dump's not close to our house. We would have had to drive, you know, pretty far to go to the dump. So I debated whether or not doing the dumpster or making the trips to the, uh, the dump. And it was actually a really good thing because, mm -hmm. uh, it turned out to be really, uh, nice just having it there in the driveway versus making those trips. Definitely. It exp expedited the process so much it did. and it let us, be you didn't have any second thoughts. Right. Right. So, and it was a, it was a three day rental too, which was really convenient. Mm -hmm. He came on a Friday morning and dropped it off. And then he picked it up on a Monday morning. Um, so that was really convenient as well, just having that for three whole days. Because we could put everything in the garage and get everything ready and then put it all in there. And then it still gave us time to figure out, do we really want to keep this or do we want to dump it? And the three days worked out for us too, because from what I understand, we had a weight limit on what we could put in the dumpster. Yes. <laughs> and so oh, yeah. it was forecasted to rain. Yeah. And so... They say, you know, you can, we couldn't put no more than two tons in it. And it was like two tons. That's nothing. You know, right. like that's, mm -hmm. we will definitely not put two tons worth of stuff in there. But then you think about it, if a couch gets wet, all that stuff soaking, if up a the mattress water, yeah. gets wet, like you could <laughs> easily go over that two tons. Yeah. So having the three days, let us wait out the rain on one day. Mm -hmm. We put all the stuff in that, that wouldn't be affected by moisture. Right. The, before the rain came, mm -hmm. we worked right up until the point, the clouds are rolling in. Mm -hmm. It was starting to come down, yeah. but we kept all the stuff that could absorb water. We kept it in the garage. And then the next day when it was sunny, we mm -hmm. went ahead and loaded it all Put up, it threw it all away. Yeah. Um, but another point, just back to the minimalism thing, mm -hmm. you go through the process of getting the stuff organized, putting it in the truck, driving it to the dump that adds more steps in the process where you're sitting there thinking like, do, do I, I want to really keep this? this? <laughs> yeah. Do I want to keep this? Do I want to get rid of it? Having the dumpster right in front of the home allowed for a purge. Like mm -hmm. we sat there and you could easily pick up an object. Am I attached to it or not? As soon, if the answer was no, like, you know, like, toss it. we were just tossing it. It was so <laughs> yeah. good, mm -hmm. so therapeutic. Um, and one thing it pointed out for me was we filled this dumpster. Yeah. Filled it to yeah. the brim. Yes. <laughs> and if tomorrow we decided to change our minds on everything and still live in our home, mm -hmm. we still had enough stuff in our home to live to from live. day to day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, this is before we put things in storage. And mm -hmm. it just shined a light to me on how much stuff yes. that we had yes. that we hadn't even touched or looked at I in years. I actually found a box that came with us from our previous house. It wasn't even unpacked. So that mm. was a huge perspective. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There, was so, a, there was a lot. There was a whole closet of stuff that we never touched. 
it just came from with us from the other house and you think you're going to use some of this stuff but you don't it was in this closet that doesn't even get opened (laughs) so that's kind of the thing that when the when we first started on this journey was like a switch flipped Mm -hmm. and we're like wait why are we paying for this massive home yeah when we could be paying for experiences with a smaller space for this space we're not using but we realized the space was to hold all of the stuff stuff. (laughs) and there's you know a comedian i've heard doing a bit about stuff and Mm -hmm. how we acquire bigger houses to acquire more stuff Mm -hmm. and then you get a bigger house to hold more stuff it's like this vicious cycle Mm -hmm. of accumulating stuff and a bigger space to store it in Mm -hmm. and so this purge was extremely therapeutic um and we've really consolidated down to what we're going to need. We've started moving things into the Galactica mm-hmm. that we're going to start for our actual journey. And it feels absolutely amazing it to does. be taking steps towards getting on the road. We actually did one more thing that is was a pretty big deal. Um, we went ahead and booked a place for us to stay with mm-hmm. the Galactica. Yeah. If our house sells along according to the, the calendar mm-hmm. that we have set in mind. So... The ball is definitely re-rolling. We're moving, taking steps towards making this happen. And we couldn't be more excited. Yes, we're very excited. So in the name of minimalism, um, I'm pretty sure you may have heard of Bob Wells and Cheap RV Living. And he has this balance that he talks about with freedom versus comfort. Mm -hmm. Um, And the more and more stuff that we get rid of, Mm -hmm. sacrificing comfort, the more and more free that we feel. Mm -hmm. And I think a good experience that is very a good metaphor for that is overlanding. Um, This is something that I never really heard about before. Uh, A buddy of mine does it that I was in the Marines with. And it's hilarious because talking about comfort and freedom, Mm, um, we and he and I would share horror stories. Well, share horror stories. We'd reminisce on our our time in the Marines and how Mm. we'd be sleeping in, sleeping in dirt holes and uh, we could move. Right. If you had everything you needed in your pack, yeah. we could traverse the countryside and we traversed a good bit of Afghanistan <laughs> very, very quickly. Very, very little holding us back. We'd be in one spot one night, literally in a different spot the next night. Um, but we were very, very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Um, it's just the nature of the business. You know, like you build memories out there with the guys and everything. But so reminiscing on that, he went and pursued this overlanding thing, being very uncomfortable. But he's able to go way, way further than we are. Um, so we wanted to get some insights from him and just talk a little about a little bit about minimalism Mm -hmm. and how when you sacrifice that comfort the freedom that you gives you and how far you can go and overlanding does entail a lot of that Mm -hmm. so we have nick from project escape society going to tell us a little bit about overlanding and some things involved with that so something that we've seen in our journeys and research of this whole process is that everybody's at different stages, mm-hmm. right? Yep. But I think it is equally important for everyone to, the things that we got into this for, mm-hmm. right? We're not going to wait until retirement right. to start making memories with our family, to yep. go out there and have those adventures, to see the world, things like that. And like, we've always argued that you don't have the perfect, have the perfect truck. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have the perfect RV, right? Take what you got. We mm-hmm. took what we had and we got out on the road and started making it happen. Yep. Um, and one thing I've really learned through this whole process is that there's this whole thing called overlanding, mm-hmm. right? Where people are going out there literally just in their vehicles yep. and they're making magic happen. They're mm-hmm. making memories out there. Um, and today I'm very, very pleased to announce that we have an uh, old buddy of mine um, back from our military service days in the Marines, Nick's with us with Project Escape Society. And he's been doing a quite a bit of overlanding. And so, again, I'm going to defer to his knowledge and his expertise <laughs> and learn a lot through this process. Yes. So and Me uh, as well, because I have no idea what overlanding is either. Yeah. So. <laughs> so so welcome aboard, Nick. Good to have you. 
Hey, thanks. It's um, happy to be here. Awesome. So my first question for you is, is what is overlanding? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. It's um, honestly, it's different for everybody. Um, but the, the general rule is the journey is, is, is the mission, right? As you're, you're, you're traveling to a location, either to camp or you're traveling just to see a site. And, and that trip itself is what what is overlanding um mm. a lot of it is dirt roads um you, you try and avoid your highways and, and whatnot unless you're just getting down to you know where the the pavement meets the dirt um but that's you know in short definition of overlanding and then everybody's gonna have a different one if you googled it you'd find 100 answers yeah so it's different things for different people yeah i mean overlanding you know there's there's uh uh, a series on TV everybody's probably heard about Expedition Overland. I mean, they do some really hardcore overlanding, you know, traversing entire continents. Um, we did a trip you know, with Project Escape Society uh, last month down to Big Bend National Park in uh, in Texas, and that was, you know, that's an eight-hour drive there on pavement. And then there was a full three days of trails, dirt roads, paths, uh, you know, traversing down there. And sometimes you just go to, you know, a lake. And, and camp like you guys do only we're doing it out of a vehicle like you said earlier oh wow yeah that's awesome okay so that leads into the next question yeah then. so what is the difference between overlanding off-roading and camping just kind of like your definition of those yeah so um overlanding in, in the end you're going to be camping somewhere for the night so that that's the difference is, is camping you're you're going to a, a campsite um, wherever that may be and, and your mission is to to camp to be outdoors to you know that's really your department but when I go camping you know I I throw up a tent and, and I'm typically in you know uh, a campground and you know we walk around and see the water and maybe do a little bit of fishing but you're you're not in uh, your house you're not in a city etc um, off-roading off-roading that's a, a whole nother animal and um I found, I went to a few off-road parks with my truck and I really couldn't do much, you know, uh, the truck's a little too big, the paths are, uh, you know, a little bit too small and, and I don't have a lift on my truck, which is another thing. You don't need a, you don't need a lift the truck to do overlanding, but um, off-roading, you know, mud, uh, it's, there's no path, there's no road, there's no dirt road, there's no nothing, it's, you're making your own and, and some off-road parks do have trails that they put up and those are fun to traverse you know kind of an overline but it's not really there's no destination right that is itself kind of a, a one thing in its own that makes sense yeah definitely mm -hmm. so the just listen to what you're saying like you really your your truck has to have the capability to travel off terrain so i imagine four by fours do really really well yeah, yeah um off-roading Hmm. truly off-roading you need four-wheel drive right the idea is personal opinion the idea for me if i'm gonna go off-roading is is i want to get stuck and then i want to get out of it or i want to go through something that i should have got stuck in and, and not get stuck because i chose the right path or um i was careful or had the right speed going up this hill etc mm -hmm. um but four-wheel drive i don't think you'd be i don't think you'd have much fun on an off-road trip in a, in a two-wheel drive front or rear wheel car vehicle <laughs> yeah yeah you know and it wouldn't be fun it would be you'd be scared the whole time you know oh, i'm gonna get stuck here and you, you can't get a you know a tow truck can't get in there to get you out so you're hoping the you, know, you got somebody else with a, 
a winch or some ropes to try and pull you out, et cetera. And sometimes that's fun. Sometimes it is, but you know, if you do it in a vehicle that you don't mind getting busted up. <laughs> yes. Just back to the, the point though, we were talking about actually in our last episode, we talked about trucks and upgrading and our Silverado has a four by four kit on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that really reduced our payload because of all the extra machinery in the truck. Mm-hmm. And because it had that 3.73 uh axle ratio gear ratio it was great for Mm off-roading but it was terrible for the miles per miles per gallon and fuel economy on the road which is why we upgraded to our ram Mm -hmm. which has the three two one right and it's a two-wheel drive it Mm -hmm. pulls a little harder pulls a little slower you get fewer rotations per minute but it's great for fuel economy but like you're saying probably wouldn't be great in that off-road scenario so kind of the point we made Mm -hmm. in our last video was that based on what you need like it determines what the perfect truck is for you Mm -hmm. and i imagine that definitely comes into play when selecting your vehicle for for overlanding um so it sounds like what you're saying with overlanding is that it's like off-roading but you have a destination like you're there's a camping element to it yeah exactly you know big bend we went down we had literally camped at the most southern portion of big bend um on the rio grande we could throw a stone and hit mexico um so that was our mission to get to there to set up camp and uh and make some good food we've got a guy who uh, really likes to cook so he's the designated cook um for most of the dinners um it took us a lot longer to get there right so that's another thing overlanding you never know um, what the road is going to be like. And we couldn't go as fast as we thought we would. And it took us, you know, four hours to get down from the beginning of this, um, the grounds to the site. And, and we were eating dinner at 8.30, you know. Mm. Um, but that's that was that journey. That's that experience, right? We saw wild horses. Well, we weren't sure there were wild horses by the end of the day because we found out you can lease land. Farmers can lease land there. But um going backwards just a second to your what vehicle fits your your needs right um since overlanding is uh, a combination of you know dirt roads trails some off-roading uh some trails that are a little bit more complicated four-wheel drive is is almost a requirement for overlanding as well that being said um this last trip is the only trip we've done where we had to be in four-wheel drive um, everything for the last two years uh, you could have done in two-wheel drive. And actually one of the guys did in two-wheel drive um, everything and saw all the sites and got all to all the campgrounds. Um, one of them was just at the edge of a lake. I don't even think it was a campground. Um, but yeah, you know, towing a, towing a trailer like you guys have, uh, having four-wheel drive for that is going to cost you gas for sure. Have you seen any RVs in any of your overlanding trips? Is that a thing? Um, yeah, actually Big Bend has, um, we went to the, the more complicated portion of it, but Big Bend actually had a lot of trailers, a lot of campers, um, because the entrance is pavement. And then a lot of the side roads, a lot of the roads that you can, you know, traverse the whole campground in, um, are paved. So you can take your camper and you can go to a a camper site and, and, and do a trip there. We wanted to do you know, the, the, the roads that aren't really traveled, um, even though there's a ton of people who travel them, but less traveled, I guess you can say that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was no campers there. There was a, there's small trailers and you've seen them around, I'm sure they're uh, overlanding trailers or they're small camping trailers, uh, but they're, they're basically one axle and they sometimes have a kitchen in them, sometimes have a fridge, sometimes they're just storage. Um, and, but they have, 
you know, with the bigger tires and a suspension, you know, so if they hit some rocks, you don't break uh, either your trailer or everything else. There were a few of those. Um, I but think yeah, we even started talking about this. You sent me a text of this trailer. It looked like yep. a teardrop, but it looked like a tank. Yeah, like crazy big tires on it, and like all yeah, this like yeah. tactical looking gear on the outside <laughs> of it. So I imagine that's an overlanding travel trailer. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and those are like twenty to fifty thousand dollars. So that was more of a pipe dream than anything. Oh, I think it's, I think it's cool, but <laughs> yeah. So that takes us into my next question, right? So we're talking about people getting out there and making memories, right? Mm -hmm. Even if they're mm -hmm. not doing full time travel trailing, like getting out there and doing it. Um, how accessible is this? Is overlanding expensive? What did you have to get started? What, as far as gear, what all did you invest to get this process started? Um, just my truck. So, and I didn't even need that. Um, let's see. So back in two, 2010, I bought a, uh, Chevy Silverado 1500 Z71 and um, the four-wheel drive eventually busted on it because I was you know messing around in the in the winter in Illinois <laughs> but um, that was only a $2,500 truck and I could have done everything I have done so far in the last two years probably escape society with that truck um, currently I'm driving a, a Toyota Tundra which is you know more more costly so but you don't need it um, heck we saw in Big Bend, on the same trails we were going down, uh, with the exception of one, Black Gap is a trail you wouldn't do this on. But there was a Honda CRV mm. that made it um, all the way back to where we were. So, to answer your question, what do you need to start? You don't need anything. You need a vehicle. Um, and really, for overlanding, you could find a dirt road. In, in North Texas, there's a lot of dirt roads. You could go into Google and you could say, stay off the highway. Uh, you can look at the roads and, and, and plan yourself a little route for, for two hour drive and just stay on dirt roads, county dirt roads. Um, some of the best trips that I've had were uh, just northeast of uh, Waco. And we didn't have a plan. We just went out there and we drove around on these dirt roads and it started raining. And we were like, oh man, I don't know if we're on the road anymore. It was a it was a county road on the map, but it was going straight through this guy's field and it was getting muddy and it was rainy. And then eventually it ended. We had to turn around because like the road did not continue through the, the creek. <laughs> um, that you might have needed four wheel drive for because getting out was a little fun. But the whole rest of the trail you could have done, you know, in a car, you could have done in an old Jeep, you could have done in an old truck. You don't need, you know, you don't need 50. You watch these videos and you know guys got hundred thousand dollars worth of gear mm -hmm. you don't need that it's nice it's helpful when you do a, a you know a trip down to south america you're going to need it but to do a trip for two hours you know around your area you yeah. don't need it at all yeah. there's campgrounds uh north of us uh west of benton uh towards decatur that um it's actually federal land that is uh, set up with trails, uh, dirt trails, they are dirt, but you could drive them in, you know, uh, a RAV4, right? You have the clearance in a RAV4 to do anything that's up there. And it's literally designed, the, the feds uh, literally went in and said, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna make these trails. And then they block off half of them. 
with posts. And so you can't go down here. And then the next month they open up, you know, different paths and close the other ones you originally on. So it's, everything's different and changes all the time. It was, a, it was a ton of fun. We've been there three times now. All right, so the the cost, the bare minimum cost for, for Overland, right? If you're doing a, a camping at the end, you're gonna need at least a tent. You don't need a rooftop tent. I've been camping out of a, I literally have one box, uh, three foot by two foot box that I put all my gear in a tent. Got my own cooking gear, right? I wanna be self-sufficient. I wanna make sure that if I'm out there by myself, I'm not gonna, you know, starve. You know, water storage, you're gonna bring your own water. Um, food, if you want cold food or, if you want to eat dried food, if you're just doing a, a one day thing, you know, that's fine. But you do need some of that stuff um, to uh, to go over landing. And then the big expense is um, even if you don't have an expensive vehicle, the biggest expense is going to be, be your vehicle. Mm. You're going to break something. You're going to put more wear and tear on your suspension, your tires, your wheels, everything. Um, so in the long run, that is going to cost you. There, there's a... It's, uh, it's that off-roading factor for overlanding that's going to put that wear and tear on your vehicle and cost you. So, um, now, I, is, that, is that regardless of what kind of vehicle you have? Like if you have a nicer vehicle that's more equipped, the wear and tear is less demanding or what would you say? Uh, in certain cases, sure. So if you have a more equipped vehicle in the way of suspension and a lift, um, to get your your vehicle higher off the ground, you're gonna you're gonna hit less rocks. You're going to you know if you're going over a, a trail that uh, needs height, you're gonna have less difficulty there. I hit my my running boards on my truck. Um, they stick out uh, about three inches lower than the frame, hmm. and uh, I hit one of those on one of the trails um, because I I had three inches less clearance right. So, you know, that's damage to the vehicle. It wasn't the vehicle. It was really just the running boards. that can take them off anytime. Um, but that type of thing, right? If, mm -hmm. if you're pulling a camper behind you, you're never going to be on that trail anyways. So your wear and tear is all more in your engine, transmission, and tires. Whereas off-roading, you do have an element of, you know, physical body damage. You know, suspension's going to get a beating. There's a lot of what they call washboard roads. Your county roads sometimes are washed where I have potholes that you're going to hit that you normally wouldn't. Mm -hmm. All that's all that's going to take a toll and some things are going to break. So it sounds like maintenance is really kind of, aside from the survival aspect of getting out there, maintenance is probably another big expense that you can expect. Yeah, an expense is something you got to keep up on, right? If, you, if, yeah. you're, uh, if you're not paying attention, um, we had a guy who, who didn't pay attention to his... Uh, his um, radiator fluid, uh, his coolant. Mm. And um, halfway through one of our trips, he started overheating, couldn't figure out why, because he, you know, we said he had checked it, he had fixed it. Um, it ended up being the issue. You know, we were able to get him back on the road. You know, you had some extra water. You know, if not, if you didn't have water, <laughs> that would be a problem. Um, yeah. but, you, but you did, and, and we got him to where he needed to be. But he didn't go on the next trip because he had to fix his vehicle. So that, you know, the maintenance is a thing. You're driving, um, a lot in texas also it's really really hot so uh you want to make sure that uh you know your filters are clean you're you know you got nothing uh going on with your engine that's not supposed to go on because if if it's 110 degrees out and you're not going very fast you're going 10 miles an hour on these roads um you're not going to have enough breeze so to speak through your engine to cool it off and you wow yeah 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 that makes i didn't even think of that yeah that's crazy 
yeah, we got lucky when we went to Big Bend. It was uh, it only hit 100 on uh, the second day. Every other day, it was actually like 70 the first day um, and 75, 80 the next day. So our vehicles were perfect. It worked fine. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, I started, I started, I looked up, you know, hey, trails in Texas and just Googled it. I think that was my first search. Um, and I ended up, you know, overlanding trails and huge trails and Big Bend and then, you know, doing the whole world, all that. But um, if you wanted to start overlanding, Google a freaking trail around your area get in your vehicle and go see what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just don't do anything crazy and you'll be fine. So be I like driving and work with what you got. Yeah, you can. Absolutely. You do mm -hmm. not need, you know, the cool, it's cool. You know, all those trucks out there and they look cool. That's great. I want to be there, but um, I'm telling you, you don't need it. It's awesome. I use a tent. I use a $50 tent from Cabela's. <laughs> <laughs> So how does, how do you start? Like what, 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 what's the best way to just, just start? Do you recommend doing it by yourself or do you recommend always having somebody out there with you as well? Oh, that's a good question. So uh, how would you start really is, this is where overlanding and it gets different. You may like finding these areas on your own, right? Somebody told me a long time ago that the best way to, to travel is by yourself and they weren't taking into account you know marriage and, and, and taking your spouse with you but they were what they were saying was the goal was when you're with other folks right you're distracted you're you know you're what are they seeing what are they saying etc when you go by yourself you're seeing everything for yourself so if i recommend going by yourself or with your significant other get mm -hmm. in the vehicle and just just go drive and see what's out there um and then when you get a group, right, that's when trips, you plan bigger trips. That's when, you know, you get ideas from all your, we had a guy who made his own rack um, and, and we all were like, hey, you can try doing this, you can try doing this. He's building his own trailer right now on our, on our Project Escape Society Instagram. He's got a picture of a design. He's an engineer that he put together for it. And, and all of that is basically, you know, four or five guys sitting down at the campsite going, one guy says, hey, I want to make a trailer. <laughs> And we're all like, hey, cool. What are you going to do? You know, put the water here and this side over there. That's awesome. And then it, he developed this idea. Um, but the, at the end of the day, to answer your question, how would you start? Um, if you got a vehicle that can go on a county road, dirt road, um, at least that, just find yourself a trip on one hour out, one hour back, find a, a town an hour away and just plug in GPS to stay off um, highway. Look at the look at the imagery. And like, all right, this is a dirt road. All right, this is a dirt road. Um, one thing to be cautious of, though, is Texas has got a lot. Actually, Texas is a, a, a far greater number of private property uh, than anywhere else I've seen. So sometimes you'll have to turn around. You get to a dead end, and it's somebody's you know front door gate. And <laughs> oops, I guess I'm backing up, and it happens. It's okay. As part of that journey, and you turn around and you go back the other way, you wave to the guy as you where I, you know, as you're driving out. Um, and then you you find a new route. And that was part of your journey. That was part of you know your overland. We're talking about that story now, and that actually happened to me. Um, but you never want to cross into the point you never want to cross into somebody else's property because um 
it's really easy to do and it's texas all right <laughs> you, you, you gotta be careful you could walk into the wrong one announce yourself <laughs> exactly exactly um there are overlanding websites there are trails and map um applications uh you can simply just find something near you just go do it Mm -hmm. it, it, what do you lose right you, you spend two hours on the road as long as you're not being crazy and then you drive home and, and you see if you liked it or not um, so that's true so, so yeah speaking of websites right it sounds like you've mentioned on multiple occasions uh you've got an organization of some sort um project escape society it sounds like you have a group of individuals who are of like minds trying to get out there and do this together i imagine you can go further when you have someone else with you because there's an extra safety factor right you don't be stranded out there by yourself. Yeah, it's with you that increases your range and places you can go. So tell us about uh, what is Project Escape Society, and then what is that to you? How what has it been for you? And just yeah, any information you want to share on that? Sure. Yeah, Project uh, Escape Society. Um, like all good things, it kind of just uh, developed uh, overnight. Um, you know, just kind of came into existence. But um, man, uh, two years ago, uh, decided to me and two buddies were like, Hey, you know what, let's just do it. Let's just go camping. We were already, we were, you know, uh, really wanted to do overlanding cause it sounded really cool. I mean, we were ignorant to how, you know, what everything was and how it worked, but, um, just like you guys, we said, Hey, let's just go camping and let's just see what happens. Right. I actually slept inside my truck in a sleeping bag on the back seat, uh, for that trip. Um, and we got ourselves into, uh, some of the trails, uh, around, uh, Lake Whitney and we, we drove around and, and saw everything. And then we found a, an entrance to the lake and uh, the water was really low. We're like, Hey, you know, let's camp here. We camped there, made a little campfire and sat around and talked. And then project escape society developed that evening. Um, got some drone photos of literally our first camp. Um, nobody had one guy had a rooftop tent. Um, and uh, he was sleeping in that and the other two of us were sleeping in the vehicles uh, and then it developed right it was three and now it's six um six folks we have a, a discord project escape society and instagram project escape society and the mission is um really the the name you know escape society not that anything is is wrong with like we're you know uh running from something but Sometimes you got to get out and uh, get into the, the trees and, and realize that the, uh, you know, pavement is, uh, pavement is good, but uh, back to the basics uh, yeah. is better. Yeah. Um, talking our language, man. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was how Project Skip Society came, came into be. And then it was every other week, you know, we did a little, a different camping site. Um, there are just like you guys, we literally started out, hey let's go to this campsite and then for the whole day right we'd get to the campsite we'd set up and then uh we'd go drive we'd go drive the the dirt roads and and see where we could get you know how we got there and then we'd go back and camp and cook and uh go to sleep fishing a little bit um if there's a if there's water to do so and we have time um but it's a lot more road than then you guys, it's a lot more trails. Mm -hmm. um, and then Big Bend, Big Bend was the, that was the end goal. We were like, hey, we want to do Big Bend, but we're not ready yet. That was two years ago. We were like, well, let's do Big Bend. 
and it took us two years to get to where we were ready to, to go ahead and do that trip. I'm definitely gonna maybe pick your brain at some point about that, that trip because we did Port, uh, we did Palo Duro, okay. but Big Ben was definitely, it's on our, it's on our radar as far as we wanna get, get that trip in. Mm -hmm. So down the road, maybe reach out to Project Escape Society to get some insights on that trip. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for your time and your insights. Um, it's been really, really cool learning through your experience. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're hoping to do for everyone who's in our, in, involved in our community and the RV community. We're learning from other people's experience and we're sharing our experiences and hopefully teach other people um, and give them a little bit of knowledge based on our insights and what we've done. So again, one more time, where can people find information about Project Escape Society? Uh, started Instagram. Project Escape Society, one word on Instagram. Um, we've got a couple photos of Big Bend uh, out there and, and then some of the guys' trucks and dogs that come with the trip. But yeah, Project Escape Society on Instagram. Look us up. Very cool. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much, Nick. Yes, and you, uh, Nick. see you down the road, man. See you down the road. Yeah, no problem. Take care. So it's come that point of the show where we go ahead and talk about some Battlestar Galactica. Um, before we get into the episode reviews, I just wanted to address something that I've been asked by multiple people who know we are doing this and know these podcasts. We've asked, mm -hmm. you know, how do you feel about this remake yeah. of Battlestar Galactica that's coming out? Yeah. And uh, so I really hadn't done a lot of research. We knew it was going to be a thing. Mm -hmm. You heard about it. And you told me about it. What yeah. did you What did you hear about it? I just saw it. It popped up on my my feed, I guess, because I've talked about it before. Or I've looked up like characters and stuff. You know how Google does their tracking. <laughs> so it came up that the the new series was being filmed and um i had known anything about it so i told him about it because you know a little bit more about the show yeah definitely so i had heard something again before she mentioned to me years ago you know i as soon as the the series aired in 2004 mm -hmm. everybody their mom was like well when's the next one coming out when's the remake coming like mm -hmm. as soon as it was over people were wanting more so the conversation's kind of been happening in different circles mm -hmm. but officially um, NBC, uh, who now owns Battlestar Galactica, mm -hmm. um, they have their new streaming service, Peacock, coming out. And from what I understand, this is going to be one of their flagship franchise shows that they run on Peacock. Um, so we know Peacock has just recently come out as a streaming service. Yeah. Um, and same deal with Battlestar Galactica. It was announced, actually formally late in 2019, that they were going to be doing a Battlestar Galactica show, mm -hmm. a new one, on Peacock. Um, and this was going to be headed up by the executive producer, Sam Esmail, and I hope I'm not saying that incorrectly. He is also the executive producer for Mr. Robot and Homecoming, but also director and partial writer for some of those who understand. Um, and then the lead writer is going to be someone named Michael Leslie. Uh, so it's definitely in the works. It's in the pre-production phase, and it's pretty well underway. From what I understand, according to Bill McCormick at NBC, that there were draft scripts actually dropped on uh, executive producer's desks in August of 2020. September timeline around that area. Mm -hmm. um, but because COVID, the global pandemic, yeah. everything is being delayed. We're seeing it in Hollywood. Yeah. Battlestar Galactica is no exception. It's mm -hmm. behind the timeline. Um, but right now, everyone's saying if everything goes according to the schedule, we will be seeing the new series on Peacock in 2022. Um, so there's a lot of different questions that people have. And people ask, well, what do you think about it? What do you think is going to happen? Um, spoiler alert. If you haven't yet watched the show, we're going to be talking about the ending right now. So if you don't want to be spoiled, go ahead and skip to the next chapter where we talk about where we speculate the plot will go. Give you a couple seconds to do that. <laughs> Alrighty, cool. So at the end of the series, um, 
there's a phrase they say all throughout the series is that all of this has happened before all of this will happen again. And so it's kind of a cyclical thing. And at the end of the series, there's this huge time jump from the end of Battlestar Galactica, where the series ends to current times, right? Mm -hmm. Where it shows clips of our, from the news media, Mm -hmm. developing of robots, things like that. And it kind of hints at this, where we develop these technologies. Sometimes our science Mm -hmm. outraces our ethics, right? Mm -hmm. And, And so we will end up in the same spot again. It's actual footage. I mean, you could copy and paste some videos from Boston Dynamics where they have the dancing robots. Mm -hmm. And then from what I understand, there's Sophia, the robot with uh, citizenship in Saudi Arabia because it's an AI that's so advanced. Yeah. Right. So you could copy and paste that into that scene of Battlestar Galactica saying that all these things happened before. All these things will happen again. So people automatically, the, the natural inclination is that they would do a remake, but it's updated, right? Because it's mm-hmm. new timeline in the future, yeah. more technology. So you could use the same story, just update it and do a remake. Mm-hmm. But from, according to uh, Sam Esmail, he's saying, no, it's not going to be a remake. They're actually going to pursue a different story in the same universe, saying the lore is so big, mm-hmm. so huge, they're going to pursue a different storyline. Um, and that could look like a bunch of different things. So um, it could, e- there are some people though, they say you could either, they could be just saying that, right? Because we've seen a lot of movies where they say, oh, it's not going to be the same. Yeah. And it ends up being Transformers. <laughs> um, what's another one? These remakes that are new visions, but they essentially try to capture the lightning, the magic of the old one, and they just totally botch it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a whole bunch of different ones. I'll go and list a couple right here after do some research. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so Battlestar Galactica ideally will not be that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's saying that the plot will explore different stories in the universe. It is a huge universe, and it is an ensemble cast with a whole bunch of different stories to go along with it. So you could go back in time to the first war, where Admiral Adama is fighting against the Cylons mm-hmm. 40 yeah. years prior to the events right. of Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could, just like we said, all this will happen again, just mm-hmm. seen in a different iteration. Like Things could change drastically, but following kind of the same mm-hmm. story arc. So those are potential plot lines. Um, yeah, because there's... Like you said, there's 40 years in between the first war, the the Cylon, between humans and Cylons, and then the, the one that the show is actually about. So there's 40 years in between there that, I mean, it could go a lot of different ways. A lot ways. of different ways. And there's so many different characters. Actually, there's, there's smaller movies based off of Battlestar Galactica mm-hmm. with Razor, where you follow the crew of the Pegasus okay. and one of the pilots mm-hmm. in Pegasus and just seeing everything that happened in Battlestar Galactica, mm-hmm. but from a different perspective, yeah. made for a whole great viewing experience. And there's mm-hmm. so many people, so many people connected with this universe that they could pick any one character yeah. and make a whole other series about it. So there's nothing really set in stone. There's a lot of speculation. They haven't even done any casting yet because they haven't even set any story yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of different ways of plot lines go. One thing I did here find was interesting in my research about the new thing coming out is they asked them how many episodes did they think would be in the series. Now, Sam Ismail, he when in Mr. Robot and Homecoming, he usually had about 10 to 13 episodes per series, mm-hmm. per season, right? So if he follows his trend, his way of making art, you could kind of get some solace in that, some basic foundational stuff in that. But one thing that he did say in an interview is that how they release the episodes will make a world of a difference. And we've mm-hmm. seen that with a lot of streaming services. How has that changed? What do you mean? The way they released episodes. So they used to release the whole the whole uh, season at one time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Netflix, uh, Disney, and all them they used to d- to do the whole season. But now we've noticed that they're just doing one 
uh, episode at a time. So then you have to keep your streaming service in order to watch them. You can't binge all of them in one or two nights and then cancel your membership. So So that's how they, they keep people on these streaming services. Definitely. I can't see Peacock totally foregoing that new business model right. if it's a cash cow they're mm-hmm. you know like they're gonna do it yeah so but contrary to that though sam Snow actually said that they may not go with one episode per week because based on the story right you may have a battle that lasts the span of three episodes mm-hmm. so it's three separate episodes because the bat but the battle is all tied together they will drop all three of those episodes in maybe one week and then the next week you only get a 20 minute episode which is a you know, a backstory and one of the characters involved in the in the battle. So he's really looking at this new innovative way of releasing episodes based in this current streaming service business model that yeah. we're seeing. So again, nothing set in stone. A lot of speculation should be really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, so now we're going to talk about where we hope the plot lines will go. Where Where would you like to see? What would you like to see happen in a new Battlestar Galactica? Honestly, I would like a completely different story. Um, just because... Battlestar Galactica, the one that I watched, I mean, I know there was one before and I've never seen that one, but the one that I like, I mean, it's a really, it's a really good show. It's a really good story. Um, so I don't like seeing things changed, you know, or, or redone, um, the same story. I feel like there should be original ideas, you know, out there, but there's not a lot of original ideas anymore. Everybody just remakes, you know, something that has already been made. Mm. So it would just be nice to have a completely different storyline. I know that that's probably not what's going to happen, but personally, I really like Battlestar Galactica, the series that we watched in the 2004 one. So it would just be nice if they just left that alone and not messed with that and did a completely different type of story. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. And me, like, wherever they go with it, I'm going to watch it and probably like it. You know, like... More Battlestar Galactica is something that I need in my life. I don't care what the iteration is. <laughs> yeah. Some people say the same thing about Star Wars. You take that where you, you want. You know, like some people hate the new episodes. So like, <laughs> yeah. But more Star Wars may not be the best thing, but it's more Star Wars. Right? Right. I need that. I need more Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Um, one thing I think would be really, really cool. Um, I could definitely get behind going back and following Admiral Adama in the first war against the Cylons. Seeing the revolt happen. Mm-hmm. Right. All that stuff. And they kind of did that with the Blood and Chrome and Caprica series where you show kind of how the Cylon mm-hmm. AI becomes sentient. Yeah. Um, but I want them to kind of go a little more forward and show where the revolt happens, mm-hmm. where the war happens. That'd be cool. Yeah. But really, I want to see what happens to them after, spoiler alert, I'm going to talk here about the ending of Battlestar Galactica. So if you don't want this spoiled for you, go ahead and skip to the outro chapter and uh, maybe come back and watch this after you finish the series. <laughs> all right. Okay, cool. Awesome. <laughs> so at the end, they send all of their technology, all of their ships and everything into the sun because yeah. they want to start over. Right. I want to see that life on New Earth yeah. starting over. Yeah. Like how did they they integrate with the, 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 the humans, mm-hmm. the primitive races that were already there? Yeah. Did they stay hidden from them? Did they slowly introduce little bits of technology to them to help them grow and advance? Or, you know, was well, I think that's that was the kind of the uh, what the, the the intent, you know, because then at the very end, they went to modern day. Right. Mm-hmm. So and it was uh, Gaius and Caprica that are in there. And yeah. it's 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 intended that they did that. They gave them all the technology. You know, they taught them all these things. And then they just ended up in this in the same, same spot. spot. So where, nothing changes. It's just the, like the, the human robots nature. take over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but I, I would love to see that nuance of just seeing how 
these kind of benevolent because they're trying to start over. Mm -hmm. They're trying to be good people and remake a new world the perfect way only to see their best laid plans and efforts end up in the same place because of human nature, the human condition. Yeah. I think that'd be a really, really cool show to see. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about Battlestar Galactica today. Mm-hmm. We will officially be starting the episode by episode reviews on our next podcast episode. So please subscribe if you want to see that. Um, as far as camping, we didn't talk about camping at the beginning of the episode, yeah. but for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be back here at Granger Lake mm-hmm. at Wilson H. Fox Park. Um, we're going to be back here next weekend. The weekend after that, we're taking off. Start selling the house, hopefully. Yes. And then weekend after that, Memorial Day, mm-hmm. we're going to be out back at Taylor Park. Mm-hmm. So that's coming down the pipe. We're definitely have an episode coming about that. And hopefully, if I can talk my friend into it, we can see a really cool van remodel. Yeah. You know, and just <laughs> another way of someone taking what they've got and getting out there and making these adventures and memories happen. Yeah. Um, so ideally, that'll be the episode. But if not, we'll find something else to discuss. Hopefully, you learned something today. Hopefully, you enjoyed the episode. Hopefully. And uh, we'll see you down the road. See you down the road. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please consider liking the video and subscribing to our channel and our podcast. We have loved building connections with the RV community and anyone else that is interested in this lifestyle. So if you'd like to connect with us, please feel free to follow us on Instagram at So Say We Travel. Follow us on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube at So Say We Travel. Or visit us at SoSayWeTravel.com. See you down the road.